Hi, my name is Shruti. I'm Abhishek. And I'm Navneet. And we are Insycom. We bring you a new podcast series where we will profile enthusiastic students, scientists, and science communicators. Each of them will talk about who they are, what they do now, how they got here, and a cool scientific concept. We call this a soupçon of Psycom. And today we have somebody who is many things, including a geomorphologist. You know, if we don't know what that means, of course, listen on to find out. And so without further ado, question number one, who are you and what do you do? Hi, Shruti. I'm glad to be here on your soupçon, it seems, (laughs) (laughs) of Satcom. I'm Devyani Khare. Mm -hmm. I'm currently based in uh, Fort Kochi. Mm-hmm. And yeah, as you rightly said, I'm a geomorphologist. Mm-hmm. I studied uh, landscape changes when I was in college at master's level. Nice. After which I started working in um, on a project, which was the India Biodiversity Portal, uh-huh. which was a citizen science repository as well as a repository for all kinds of data. And my main focus was the Western Ghats biodiversity system, basically a mini portal on that. Excellent. I have... Uh, an interest in ecology, cartography, ornithology, and I love traveling. So, <laughs> so this is the second time I've had somebody on Supsona Psychom who says they love cartography. Uh, the first one is actually Vaishali Rawat, and we had a lovely time talking about how we grew up uh, in school, uh, talking about atlases and talking about how we would just sit with atlases forever, and how geography was so boring in school, but actually is very, very interesting as a subject. Let's get on to question number two. How did you get where you are right now? That's a little complicated because, in fact, where I am right now, I work as a, a communications manager for a travel company, uh-huh. which is a far cry from my academic qualifications. So I started blogging uh, in college to make a bit of extra money. Mm-hmm. And during the time when after my qualifications, when in India, people did not understand what geomorphology and ecology was. Mm -hmm. So I was finding it very difficult to get a job after my master's. Mm -hmm. So during those months, I made a little bit of money on the side by blogging. And after a couple of research projects and this India biodiversity portal, I found myself being roped into a travel company to continue with their communications. So if I may ask, uh, what did you end up doing for your bachelor's um, and how did you, can you sort of chart a small story for us as you, how you went from bachelor's to master's and where you are right now? Well, I surprisingly thought I would choose psychology at my bachelor's level oh, for graduation. Wow. But uh, I don't know, at some point in time, I decided other people's problems were not quite my thing. <laughs> so I've moved into geography. And uh, after I moved into geography, uh, I think, thankfully, we had a really fascinating uh, syllabus during the second year, Mm -hmm. which focused largely on geomorphology. So everything to do with tectonics and landscape changes, volcanoes, Mm -hmm. you know, everything, I think, would fascinate a lot of kids if it was dealt with a little differently at the school level. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just found myself saying that maybe I need to move in towards that as a subject. So... I ended up changing my college and following geomorphology, which I feel was a fascinatingly nerdy, geeky subject, perfect for someone like me. Wow. Um, So was this a bachelor's in geomorphology or was it a bachelor's in geology? uh, Geography, actually. And I finished it from arts, which is not something you find very often in in, uh, India. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I finished my graduation in the arts as geography only. And then in uh, at the master's level, 
it was still masters of arts in geography with the specialization in geomorphology which university was this pune university oh excellent okay i didn't know they classified geography as arts that's a very interesting aspect yeah. <laughs> but one part is this particular course for geomorphology in fact allowed uh, students to come in from both streams arts and science mm-hmm. ultimately masters was either like a masters in arts or masters of uh, science based on what your graduation was so it was an interdisciplinary i think all of us got churned out the same way at the masters level eventually so so uh question number 3 imagine you have the power to go back in time to when you were in high school or undergrad can you pick and explain one concept to your younger self that you think is the coolest most important or most awesome in your field wow okay that's a little tricky but i think i'll go along with citizen science uh-huh. uh or what they call public participation in scientific research ppsr mm-hmm. uh i think it's a really democratic field of science mm-hmm. which basically tries to get data or tries to get reports on any topic from people across the world wow and it's a platform where newbies amateurs uh professionals researchers all kinds of people can interact can put their data together can put in their observations from across the world to kind of get a broader understanding of any one topic wow and i think it's a field that's going to change and has already changed is going to revolutionize science excellent so is is ptsr only um specific to geography or geographical fields or do you see it in almost every field it is definitely possible in every field but geography seems to lend it a dimension and no matter what your topic is it could be civic issues it could be ecology it could be alzheimers it could be you know these days there are citizen science projects happening on most any topic mm-hmm. what geography gives it is a spatial dimension mm-hmm. to collect data or statistics from species records from uh, different parts of the world but to actually have them projected spatially to be put onto a map so that we know exactly where that understanding is coming from if you're interested in something like citizen science a really cool website to check out would be zooniverse.com uh that's linked um under this podcast um it has many 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 examples of projects um not just in science but across disciplines like art in climate in history and language and literature and so on um it's definitely a worthwhile resource to check out if you're really interested in citizen science uh much closer to home there is something called a season watch uh, if you can access this by going to seasonwatch.in it's run by the national center of biological sciences and they look at how trees and foliage and how plants change with with season and with climate change so you can actually go out and document changes in leaf color it and changes in um the trees that you see every day around you an example of a citizen uh, science project that's much closer to my interests is called iwire uh which is a game that you play to reconstruct neurons in 3d and i would highly recommend it you can play as characters um and it's a really really interactive and very fun game and at the end of it all you're actually helping scientists by helping reconstruct neurons real neurons in 3d and not only will you be learning more about neurons themselves but you will actually be contributing to neuroscience 
for people who are not so interested in biology or something closer to home, there is always SETI at home. SETI is the search for extraterrestrial intelligence and it's a scientific area whose goal is to detect intelligent life outside Earth. Uh, one approach uh, known as radio SETI uses radio telescopes to listen for narrow bandwidth radio signals from space. And um, radio telescope signals consist primarily of noise, which includes man-made signals such as TV stations, radars, and satellites. Um, modern radio city projects analyze the data digitally, and more computing power enables searches to cover greater frequency ranges with more sensitivity. Radio SETI, therefore, has an insatiable appetite for computing power. And in 1995, uh, David Gedai proposed doing radio SETI using a virtual supercomputer composed of a large number of internet-connected computers. And thus, that's how SETI at home was born. And you can be a part of this project by volunteering, volunteering your computer's time on the internet to be devoted to analyzing these, um, this radio frequency data. Wow, that is really fascinating. Um, have you been part of any citizen science projects? Yes. So India Biodiversity Portal had a citizen science proponent, wow. which we actively involved in promoting. And the fun part was we provided the technology to any other initiative that was willing to rope in, because ultimately it's about participation. You need to get your kind of geeks participating on birds or uh, trees and things like that. Mm -hmm. So we provide the technology platform to everybody to use as they saw fit. We've been gleaning a lot of data from that. And now it's all about trying to make sense of the stupendous quantities of data. That sounds <laughs> so, great. Yeah. Um, can you give us an example of one of these projects? The Biodiversity Ports collected species distribution data from across India mm -hmm. and put it together on a spatial platform, like on a map. So you could literally search by kingfishers across India and kind of see how many people have sighted kingfishers in which areas. And you could record fun field notes, uh, put up images so that other people could help you out. So even if you don't know the name of a particular species, mm -hmm. chances are that somebody in the wider community would be able to help you out. So in a way, it also becomes a platform to learn. You put up a butterfly that you absolutely have no idea mm -hmm. about. And then somebody from the community tells you, okay, it's this particular species it's usually seen in these kind of habitats and stuff so it's a great way to broaden your knowledge as well that's great along with being a repository of information i can see this you know being such a great resource for for kids and even adults who are not very ecologically aware but sort of getting into the field and you know when you get into a new field it's always you're a little lost you don't know who to ask for help you know wikipedia can only help you so much um, <laughs> and and these portals seem like a great idea to sort of you know stimulate generation of birders of wildlife watchers and of ecology fans uh, that sounds wonderful that sounds really nice yeah it, it was a lot of fun and i really hope it picks up one of the biggest projects globally in fact was also something called the galaxy zoo mm -hmm. which uh, let out a lot of these hubble telescope photographs for people to classify because the computers again can do only so much right so you can imagine as a little kid i think everyone fantasized about going out into space oh of course i know i <laughs> you could uh, have access to all these phenomenal photos that the hubble uh, telescope had taken for years mm -hmm. and didn't have time to really classify just being being opened out to the public so that they could look at it you know drool over it and ultimately classify it so 
No, not just drool over it, but also learn something from it. I think that's like the best aspect of being a nerd or a geek. Yep. Yes. Excellent. Uh, that's. I'm afraid that's all we have for now. I wish we could keep talking more, but um, this definitely encourages me to talk to more people like you to make longer, more detailed podcasts about things that you are interested in, about subjects that are so interesting. Um, so thank you very, very much, Devyani. Great. Thank you, Shruti. Happy to be a part of this. And I really hope people find some inspiration in this and can participate in citizen science. And thank you to our audience for listening to us. Um, definitely keep an eye out for more of Susan of Psycom mini podcasts. Um, I'll be putting one out every week, every Thursday. Uh, please keep an eye out for really interesting science explained in really fun ways.